This is the curse of the madman. What if I told you that something terrible was happening right now, the repercussions of which would affect humanity for eternity, but there was nothing that you could do to stop it? Would you want to know? This is the madman's curse, and that is a fact. And now as you orbit in sonic gravity, you are seeing the universe through the eyes of a madman. Now, every single thing that I see, anytime it has anything to do with UFOs or UAPs, or I hear about abductions, or somebody starts talking about cattle mutilation, or I see anything in documentaries about UFOs and things like that, everything is fitting perfectly with the sonic gravity theory of everything and the quantum echo theory. Now, it used to be the quantum echo hypothesis, and the quantum echo hypothesis was that in our quantum craft, when we spin up our anti-gravity field, which is just a harmonic, left-handed, electron-rich magnetic field that resonates with the Higgs field, reduces the Higgs field to the ground state, zero energy, so our massive particles fly into the past, the same way, the same way that the Higgs singlets in the Large Hadron Collider at CERN pop into existence before the particle collision happens. What that means is, is that the Higgs singlets jump into the past at the point of collision and appear before the collision in the place that the collision happens. And that is a fact. So when our electromagnetic field reduces the Higgs field to the ground state, to zero energy, all of our massive particles go into the past with our Higgs bosons the same way, just as if every single atom in our body collided and ruptured. But our atoms don't rupture because the strong nuclear force holds them intact. So we have a quantum remainder in the present that's massless, oscillating at the speed of light with our massive particles dragging into the past like toilet paper stuck to the bottom of our shoes. So if time was like a reel of film, like a movie, where every frame in the film was one instant in time, we chopped all those frames out of the reel and stacked them face to face like slices of cheese. From the Big Bang to the end of time, the distance between the frame in our present and the frame of the past where our mass lands, that distance is tension in the Higgs string, which causes gravity. So the further back our mass goes, the greater the gravity that envelops our quantum echo in the past. Now in the past, where our Higgs bosons, our Z bosons, and our W bosons are dangling, they're in a brain of time, they're in a slice of cheese way in the past. And the quantum entanglement between our massless quantum remainder and our massive particles in the past, the distance across those slices of cheese into the past creates tension in the Higgs string. Tension in the Higgs string is gravity, and so our massive particles in the past are wrapped in gravity, in negative energy density, which is necessary because in that slice of cheese, the law of conservation mass energy needs to be observed. You can't add mass into that instance of time. So when your mass goes back there into the past, it's wrapped in gravity, so it cancels the energy. So it's a net zero energy in that slice of cheese, in that instant of time in the past. And that gravity is also enveloping your massless particles. And it's your massless particles wrapped in negative energy density in our time that holds open a wormhole, a wormhole to the past. And it's precisely that wormhole in the past, which is 
is in our current present right now that we look through to see future humans zipping around in quantum craft in the future. And that is probably a fact. It's definitely the quantum echo theory. But I'm not going to go into it in this episode, but if you want more on that, check out Dark Matter and the Quantum Echo Hypothesis and check out Quantum Gravity at the Speed of Thought. It's kind of a ride. Einstein did all the math and he predicted it. He predicted wormholes. It's just that nobody's thought of a way to get negative energy density in one spot like that, except for me. And he also predicted time travel. And that is a fact. And so that wormhole is held open by a ton of gravity, like a black hole of gravity inside that electromagnetic field. And it's actually that gravity that causes cow mutilations because when cows get too close to a quantum echo in a field somewhere, they get their faces ripped off. They get their eyes and their tongue sucked out. They get their bodies mangled. And it makes perfect sense, right? The puzzle pieces all fit. But Einstein predicted time travel. And the way that happens is when a second craft that is also massless, so it isn't affected by the gravity holding open the wormhole caused by the first craft, and that second craft flies through that wormhole, that second craft flies into the same instant of time that the first craft's quantum echo landed. And that is probably a fact. I'm totally sure. Now, the reason that it's not the quantum echo hypothesis anymore, it's the quantum echo theory, is because there's evidence that the hypothesis is valid. If you look at the cover art on this podcast episode, what you're going to see is a 2007 time-lapse exposure of the UFO that's been blazing around in Hestelen. It's like in the middle of Norway. It's just like there all the time. And somebody took a time-lapse photo of it and attached spectrometer. And I've been saying for the last several months that what I need is a spectrometer reading to see because if we're really looking at a UFO through a wormhole, then the light that we see is daylight on the other side. That would have to be a fact. And guess what? See that golden light on the cover of the podcast? And the spectrometer reading? And guess what? The spectrometer reading of sunlight at dusk matches the spectrometer reading of that UFO, and that is a fact. So just like I said, it's a falsifiable hypothesis, because if that light came back as something else, it wouldn't be that. But it came back like daylight, so now there's no denying the quantum echo theory is plausible, and that is a fact. Now I want you to shift gears to our present time. Three American military whistleblowers have revealed data that show a dramatic decline in soldiers' health. Those whistleblowers are Aviation Safety Officer Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, Dr. Samuel Sigloff, and Lieutenant Colonel Peter Chambers. And they made the following declarations under penalty of perjury. Now I'm not making this up. You can Google it. The five-year average for miscarriages was 1,499 entries a year. There was no increase in 2020, but the 2021 figure was 4,000. 182, which is a rise of 300%. A similar increase was seen with cancer from a five-year average of 38,700 compared to 114,645 in 2021. Neurological issues rose up even more dramatically by a thousand percent from a baseline average of 82,000 to 863,000. Myocardial infection is 269% increase. Bell's palsy, whatever that is, is 291% increase. Congenital malformations for children of military personnel, up 156%. Female infertility, 471% increase. Pulmonary embolisms, 467% increase. I'm not making this up. You can Google it. It's getting pretty gnarly. And yes, these whistleblowers are ascribing all of this recent uptick in soldier illness and birth defects to the COVID vaccine. That is a fact. And I don't think it helps that the FDA and the CDC and pharmaceutical companies declined to release all of the safety test data 
We're just not releasing it. It's like, fuck it, you don't need to know. Yeah, we kind of do. But anyway, at least we have the military with legit service members, officers of integrity, who appear to be just calling it like they see it. It's pretty gnarly. And then someone sent me a link, a Reddit link to an article about an abduction that happened in 1993 to an Australian lady and her husband and her three kids and two other motorists on the same road. And all three women came away with little circular burn marks and experienced significant gynecological infections and problems following their encounter. It's widely held to be one of the most credible abduction stories on record. Because it was multiple people saw the same thing, had the same thing happen to them, and had the same story. None of them knew each other, and it's all corroborated by medical records. And guess what? The aliens spoke English, and that is a fact. So it's a couple different interviews of Kelly Cahill. I've edited it for brevity, and I want you to try and connect all the dots, if you can. In the Dandenong Mountains, we were driving on Belgrave Hallam Road, and it was just on dusk. I saw what I thought was round orange lights in the field. It looked unusual to me. Later that night, retracing their route home, Kelly noticed something else unusual. It's about a, a kilometre or so in front of us, uh, about twice the height of the tre- treetops, we could see this uh, uh, object, which at first I thought was a blimp. It had the shape of a blimp, but it was light. As we got closer to it, the, the light seemed to sort of separate, and it was actually these uh, a row of round lights, uh, and they were orange. It appeared like there was silhouettes standing in these round orange circles, like people, but you could only see the black outline. Oh, I just said to my husband, oh, there's people in there. And the minute I said that, it shot off to the left of us, looking one or two seconds it was gone completely. About a, a kilometre uh, or two further down the road as we kept driving, I came across what, at least what I thought, was a screen or a wall of light across the road and my heart started racing and the adrenaline was sort of pumping through my body and I'm thinking, we've just seen this back down there, we're in for you know a close encounter. Then. The next instant, we seem to have um, actually covered a fair distance that I don't even remember covering. It might have been possibly close to a kilometre, but I don't remember uh, actually travelling. There was no light. There was, you know, there was nothing blocking the road. Kelly says it wasn't until weeks later she remembered actually getting out of the car that night. Then I saw that there was a, um, a another car that had pulled up 100 metres down the road. Then I walked around the front of the car to where my husband was standing on the other side. Uh, we started walking across the road together. As we were walking across the road, I looked down and I saw that the other people were getting out the car and starting to walk as well so I was quite happy that there was other people there who were seeing the same thing that we were and we walked up along here to where the fence is right out in front of us was this this huge craft that was totally awestruck it was it was science fiction coming to life there wasn't any fear then it was just all total awe we stood here I guess side by side my husband and I for about 30 to 45 seconds then this tall dark being just appeared in front of the craft and and he was followed by about another seven or eight that appeared straight behind him. I felt this energy go through me. It's like nothing I've ever experienced before in my life. It was like some sort of low-level frequency that came in waves, but it was so dense that I could actually physically feel it going through my body. And that feeling absolutely terrified me. It was like, uh, I can't even explain the horror that I felt just feeling this. And uh, I uh, began screaming. The minute I did, the eyes on these things lit up and they came charging across the field. Halfway across, they split up into two groups. Some headed off down there, and the rest came directly towards us. I felt this blow to my stomach, and the next thing you know, I'm back here somewhere on the grass. It literally lifted me off of my feet. And I thought I was gonna die. I thought, if I don't get up now, I'm never gonna, I'm gonna pass out and I'm gonna die. I'm not gonna come back to consciousness, you know? So I pulled myself up into a sitting position, and when I sat up, I couldn't see anything. And uh, it was like there was just black in front of my eyes. 
Kelly is not the only one who saw these images that night. For the first time ever, independent witnesses have given the same account of a close encounter. Even though Kelly has never met Jane, Glenda and Bill from the other car she saw, she has seen the sketches they drew for UFO researchers. They've drawn the same um, circles of light around the top of the craft with um, this, uh, these blue lines coming down, ending in a semi-circle uh, on the ground. They've actually also drawn a tripod underneath, which was something I didn't see that night. It comes very clear then that we were all looking at the same thing and that it wasn't your average um, saucer-shaped uh, craft. Basically, the second party were able to draw sketches of the beings very similar to the ones that I had, and they're not your usual um, little grey things that are, you know, media propaganda. I found a small red-coloured uh, equilateral triangle underneath my navel, which I guess in reality provoked um, only a minor curiosity at the time. Uh, it was oddly geometric, and I did I did wonder, you know, how, how something like that could get on me uh, that looked like a burn without me feeling it. We were all left with triangular marks under our navels, but... Um, the ones that were marks that were actually photographed, the first one came from Glenda, which is a, it's a series of three small red dots along the inner thigh. And both Jane and Glenda um, were marked with these dots. I wasn't. Glenda had a, uh, a ligature mark around her ankle, which is quite severe bruising. It looked like she'd been strapped down to something. When I got out of the car, I was, um, I was exhilarated, you know. I wasn't frightened when I got out of the car. All I could think is it's just absolutely amazing and we're seeing something that most people wouldn't get the chance to see in a million lifetimes. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, that euphoria changed to absolute horror. Oh. And um, I uh, really, I guess, lost the plot. <laughs> I really lost control. I, I, uh -huh. I was so freaked out, I started screaming. And um, uh -huh. it was almost like something was interfering with the way that my mind worked. Uh -huh. It was like I couldn't think straight. Um, uh -huh. It was like... I was fighting to be able to think properly at all. And, and all I could feel was this raw emotional terror. I felt this blow to my solar plexus and I landed flat on my back in the grass, almost like a, an electric charge of some sort. It wasn't like a, a, a thump. It was like um, I'd received an electric shock. Snocked the wind out of me. I couldn't breathe. Right. And, I, and I really, really struggled to sit up. I kept thinking I was going to die if I didn't sit up. Hmm. Um, and when I sat up... Um, I was violently nauseous as well as struggling to get a bit of air into my lungs and um, I couldn't see a thing in front of my eyes and that's how I remained for the, the little bit that I, I remember sitting on, on in the grass. I was totally blind. The last thing I remember was a hand being placed on my shoulder and I went absolutely ballistic. So I was actually in a sitting position. Before I, I was touched on a sh shoulder, I heard this male voice say, will someone do something about her? I know, no, it sounds ridiculous. No, <laughs> yeah. Do something about someone her. Someone do something about her. Exactly. And you think it was one of those beings <laughs> yeah, that was... Yeah. Well, hear? I couldn't see. You know, I could only hear. Yeah. I was, was totally blind. Was this a voice you heard coming from outside? Yes, it was an audible it, voice. It wasn't... You know, and it was clearly in English, obviously. Yes, but I, I still have trouble recalling whether there was an accent or anything. I just, I didn't recognise one, so I, mm -hmm. I, you know, I assume there wasn't anything out of the ordinary with the voice at all. Did you hear any sounds coming from your husband, let's say, or the people up the road? The only, only in the very beginning when I first got hit and I uh, sat up and, and I called out to my husband that I couldn't see that I was blind. And I heard him say, let go of me. Um, and then I heard this, the same male voice, um, say, we don't mean you any harm. Yeah, not a very good situation. I actually threw up. That's how frightened I was. I, well, I was back in the car and totally disorientated. And as far as I could remember on that particular night was us driving into this light. 
and I couldn't remember what had gone out on the field until several weeks later, actually, until mm. we had driven back up there again. But when I got home that night, um, first thing was that we had about an hour and a half that we couldn't account for. It just seemed to have gone instantaneously missing from our lives. Mm. Um, secondly, I was marked with the, uh, an equilateral triangle mark underneath my navel. How large or small uh, would that be? About nine or ten millimetres each way. Mm-hmm. And what did that look like? Uh, the triangle did it have a color texture? Yeah, it was it? red. Um, it actually looked like a, a burn, or as, mm-hmm. it, as if the, the first few layers of um, of skin had been removed. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the most well, I, did, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. I, I noticed it because it was geometric, and I'm sort of was wondering, well, I wonder if this had anything to do with what we saw up in the sky. But then I thought, no, I'm being ridiculous, so I left that. But I think the main problem that occurred that night was that I'd started bleeding when I wasn't due and um, quite profusely, and that continued for three and a half weeks till I was hospitalised with an infection in the womb, um, which the doctors, the hospital doctors had no explanation for. Now, as it happens, um, the two ladies in the second party also had uh, gynaecological problems, quite severe ones, mm. um, Instantly post encounter, mm. um, they were also left with the triangular marks underneath their mm-hmm. navels. And um, what did the diagnosis for that um, bleeding turn out to be? Well, there was no diagnosis. There's even even on the medical records, I have there's still question marks beside everything. You know, they, they checked out um, a uh, well. First, they did pregnancy test to, to even test that I'd been pregnant and something hadn't festered, and that was negative. They um, they checked out endometriitis, a whole heap of things. All that they had was that there was a uh, interuterine infection and they had real, really no explanation for why it had actually started. Do you see it? Do you see a craft flying through a wormhole created by another craft, lands in a field, and it's daytime on the other side of that wormhole. So it's super duper bright with all that gravity, scrambling the space at the end of that wormhole that the light comes through. So it's a big, bright light. They kill the field and renormalize their quantum composition. When that anti-gravity field drops and the massless quantum remainder renormalizes, it's plausible that as the matter renormalizes, it causes a shock wave as the quantum remainder of the craft regains its mass and shoves all the air that the massless quantum remainder is passing through out of the space that the quantum remainder occupies. And when the mass renormalizes, it's plausible it causes a shock wave, which is exactly the force that hit her in the chest and knocked her backwards. It traveled through her and the gravity abates. It's plausible that the snap in the Higgs stream and the release of that gravity causes a gravity wave, which is exactly the force that was the slow wavelength passing through her before the impact. Like a slow, heavy wave. And that is a fact. And she talks about a blue light. And you can look this up. Gravity waves have the same wave period or frequency as blue light in the visible light spectrum does. Photon or a gravity wave. In that frequency, that energy is visible as blue light. And that is a fact. Because there's just no way she could fake that. There's no way she could know that gravity would be visible as blue light. And there's no way that she would know that when that electromagnetic, that harmonic electromagnetic anti-gravity gravity field was released, that that gravity, that those gravity waves would cause low frequency pressure. That too is a fact. And that's how you know for certain 
that she is telling the truth. And it's also how you know that the quantum echo theory is valid and that too is a fact. And so when that quantum craft that is now in the past kills the field, before it kills that gravity field, before it kills the anti-gravity field, it would be blue. And that too is a fact. And when that electromagnetic field is dropped, and as the gravity abates, and the quantum echo and the quantum remainder of the craft begin to unite, the gravity would be released as low-frequency gravity waves that Kelly would feel, like waves of space moving through her. And when the quantum echo and the quantum remainder of the craft unite and renormalize, the atmosphere that it displaces and shoves out would cause a shockwave of air pressure that could knock her off her feet. And that too is probably a fact. Maybe. Probably. I'm pretty sure. And the visitors from the future spoke English. They didn't do anything to the men, but for an hour and some change they were working on all three of those ladies downstairs. And that is a fact. And they all came away with little pin burn marks. If I had to hazard a guess, it looks like an arthroscopic, surgical harvesting of genetic material. And that is a fact. And when you put that in the context of what is going on right now, and how we could be fucking up our DNA, it kind of starts to make sense, doesn't it? Well, it makes perfect sense to me. You be the judge. And ask yourself, are you willing to bet your genetic future? Are you willing to bet your genetic health, your genetic future, and the future of your progeny? your genetic legacy, because the choices you make today are the reason that we will be harvesting genetic material from healthier human specimens from the past. And that too is a fact. It's already happened in the future. It is tragically inevitable. That is a fact. And you know it's a fact because we already did. From Kelly Cahill in 1993. And that too is a fact. And so now, after orbiting in sonic gravity and seeing the universe through the eyes of a madman, you stared into madness and madness stared back into you. And now you know that free will is an illusion. Because you know as we ruin our genetics, in the future we require and harvest untainted genetic material. Because in the future we have already destroyed our genetic health. And that is a fact. Because you know we have already created quantum time-traveling craft in the future and go into the past behind our temporal existence now, 29 years into our past, and have already harvested Kelly Cahill's genetic material in the future. And that too is a fact. And you will know when you hear UFO, vaccine, abduction, future, that I am inside your mind, too. And that, too, is a fact. And now you feel the madman's curse to know your future. You know the prophecy and are powerless to save the human race. But I promise to leave you better than I found you. You can't help them, but you can help yourself and your children and your legacy. That is a gift that I give to you. The future of humanity is a genetic caste system. Welcome to Gattaca. And today is when you decide your descendants' place in the genetic hierarchy of the human civilization in the future. That is a fact. 